hear what the Spirit is saying to the church from the book of Genesis, Matthew, and Revelation. In the day that the Lord God made earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord thy God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth, and was no and water and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord thy God formed man from the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And the Lord thy God planted a garden in Eden, the east, in the east, where, and, lit, and there he put the man whom he had formed out of sight. And, the, and good for food, the tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And from Matthew 27. Over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two bandits were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from that cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let let God deliver him now, if he wants to. For he said, I am God's Son. The bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its twelve kind of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time and this space. Thank you so much for the breath of life that we all have and share. Thank you so much for placing us in this world, in this story. Thank you so much for entering and knowing what it means to to suffer. That that's not something that's far away from you, but you have wrapped your arms around. And thank you so much, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for a vision of redemption. As we walk this path and this road together, may we walk with a hope that all things are being gathered to you, that all things are being made new, that tears are being wiped, that the tree of life will bring healing to all people. In this we put our hope. In this is a light in which we continue to walk towards. And we journey with you and with all people. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, um, we want to have a conversation about the idea of story in our life. For the last four weeks, we've been looking at this concept of, of, of finding meaning. Because for each one of us, for humans in general, there's just a need and a desire for purpose and for meaning. And some days we wake up with it and it just seems so close, and other days it seems so far away. But this is how we are shaped. This is how we are made. We are meaning-making creatures. And so how do we begin to find meaning? As more and more research has come out, we've, there has been find, there's different ways, kind of these pillars of meaning that we decided to look at that also seem, deep, that are deeply reflected in the story of scripture. So we looked at the sense of belonging, that we find meaning when we realize that we belong to other people and to a collective we, and that we belong to something greater than ourselves. There's meaning in our lives when um, we are connected to a sense of purpose or a sense of redemption and justice in this world. And so when we use our lives for the service of other people, it has this strange way of when we lose ourselves, we begin to find ourselves, is how one person once phrased it. A sense of meaning can come from these moments that we call transcendence where we kind of are able to just touch a reality, not just look at the shadows in the cave, but but turn around and see that there is a reality, there is something beautiful, there is a light, there is a love, there is a God, there is a divine in this world that we do not fully know and is wrapped in mystery, but we can know at times. And when we experience that, not just think about it, it floods us with deep meaning. And today, we're going to talk about one that honestly surprises me, but as um, we see throughout Scripture and actually is Scripture, the pur- one of the purposes of um, Scripture, and that one that we see in the scientific and field of research coming out more and more is we find meaning through story. We're storytellers. Our lives are a narrative, and the more we can understand that and the more that narrative leads to a place of redemption, the more our life begins to be filled with meaning. 
And so this morning we read three passages kind of from the, very be- from the very beginning of Scripture to the very end to a climax in the middle. And I want you to just take a moment to realize what Scripture is offering us this morning. It is offering our lives to be part of a story, of a narrative that is bigger than just ourselves. This first story is one of intention. That there is a divine creator that breathed life and light into this world. It tells the story of this first tree, this tree of life, that, that just life is pouring from it. And it's standing in the middle of this garden, this place of flourishing. And it's saying, this is the place of your origin. This is the place of all of us. This is where it all starts. That your life is not a mistake, but it has purpose. It comes from a place of flourishing. So when we don't flourish, we are not being fully ourselves. And we feel that. Because we are created. We were dust that was deeply breathed into, that has life. And so every time we... We take part in that story. The last tree in the story is one that we see at the very end of Scripture, which is one of redemption, a place in which we are going. Because when we talk about coming from this place of origin, coming from this place of intent, coming from this place of creation, and we look at our life, we go, yeah, yeah, but that's not how I'm experiencing now. There is war, there is pain, there is racism, there are so many things in our world that it just feels so broken. And so scripture offers us this vision of a tree, that same maybe tree of life, that its leaves are providing healing, its fruit, food, shelter, and life for all people. And the nations gather to it. I read once, um, as one pastor described it, our life is found, our story is found between these two trees. We know that there's an intent, there's a purpose. On a good day, we hope that there's a redemption and a thing to hope for, and which is not just for us, but for all people. But in the middle, in the middle, we find this other tree in which the Christ is sacrificed, is life is taken from. And it's on this tree that he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's on this tree that he experiences the suffering of this world, that we don't serve or know a God that is distant from suffering, that doesn't care about suffering, but that has directly been affected by it. And so this tree, this cross, in the central part of the story, gives us a glimpse of part of our own life, part of our own story. And so when we suffer, when we doubt, when we say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We're not outside of the story anymore. We're directly in the center of it. And so today we want to just talk about story. And how does story bring meaning into our life? And I want you to use this conversation as a way of reflecting, just pausing and saying, kind of what story is your life telling? And we'll have a time at the end of the service to be able to reflect on that or even write about that. 
Um, but to do this, as we have been doing throughout this series, when we're talking about finding meaning and purpose in life, I feel a little um, uncomfortable just being kind of one um, kind of middle-aged white man telling you this is how you find meaning in life. Um, and find it more um, meaningful to l let's actually have a conversation with other people. And, and so I want to invite my good, um, my good friends, Graham and Ashley, to come forward. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about story. You can give them a hand. They're amazing. Um, welcome. Well, um, you two spoke at an All Souls um, event faith and work that Adam put on, and you set a line in that event that, like, the light bulb went on for me. Um, I forgot who said it, so um, I'll give you credit because her. more things come from her than you. Um, um, so it, something that w you said, we're just, we love story. We see our life as part of that, and I thought, oh, I want to talk more about that because um, I think it's something we overlook. So this is us talking more about that and, um, and, and preaching um, together. Um, so let's start. All these people, some of these people don't know you. Um, so let's start and just tell us a little bit about you two. Awesome. Well, we're Graham and Ashley. Um, and we actually met when we were in middle school. Um, and that's one of my favorite stories. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. But it was the fall of 1997. <laughs> yes. It's a good, good um, we year. Were, we were at sleepaway camp. And um, I had just recently, like, been kind of roped into going to church by my grandmother. And it was the year that Clueless came out. And so mm -hmm. nobody told me that I wasn't supposed to wear, like, yes, exactly, rolling mm -hmm. with the homies. That I wasn't supposed to wear, like, short skirts and knee highs to church. Um, but I did. And I'm really <laughs> glad I did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All worked out for me in the end. Um, but the first night there was a bonfire. And across the bonfire, my little 11-year-old heart went pitter-patter because there was a boy with this blonde bowl cut staring <laughs> at me. <laughs> and on the way back from that bonfire, he held my hand. Um, and, I, and I showed him that you're actually... She taught me, she yes. taught me that, yeah, you don't... You, if you really like somebody, you have to entertain wow. them. Yes. Wow. It was, a, it was a big deal. And then I asked um, her to marry me. So that was... It's <laughs> early. Yeah. But in so many ways, I mean, we're still those little middle schoolers mm. just trying to figure figure our way through life with like a little bit more living under our belts but still so many questions and insecurities and mm. all of those things that's great tell tell me a little bit about um i know you two are obsessed and graham we were joking and speak about preparing for this we kind of went down the tunnel of the importance of st story yeah. so tell me a little bit about um your interest or story why is it a powerful mm -hmm. thing yeah well Two, two separate questions, I guess, there. One is, um, like, why are we interested in story? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that comes from, um, for me personally, it comes from my grandfather, who um, he, uh, he was just a great storyteller. And I don't think that he, he thought of himself that way. Um, in fact, he, would, uh, he was famous for, like, starting a story and then just leaving mystery there so that everyone would try and pull it out of him. Mm. Um, but he, he, was always, uh, he was always telling a story. He was always trying to learn other people's stories. He was um, on, at the church that we went to growing up. He was the guy that got the list of names of visitors, mm. and he would be the one that was calling all of those people and getting to know them and... Um, 
And so he was just, he had this obsession with story. And as a part of that, he was always documenting life. So he was carrying a camera around with him everywhere he went. Um, in fact, <clears throat> all of the photos that we have of him, except maybe one or two from our wedding, he's got a camera to his face. Because um, that was just who he was. So um, I think that for me was, uh, he was the, the person that instilled this like, even without giving words to it, he instilled this uh, value of story and storytelling um, in me. And so um, that subs subsequently became a, a big part of our life. Um, we're photographers by trade, so um, a big part of, of what we do is tell people's stories. Um, and uh, yeah, but then the, the other part of that question, I think, is... Um, why is story important? Am I? Um, and <clears throat> there's a lot of, uh, there's so many rabbit holes we could go down <laughs> with that question. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think um, humans are wired, we are wired and designed to understand the world through story. Um, even some of the, like the scientific research on brain chemistry yeah. is pointing to this, um, that uh, you know, uh, uh, facts um, aren't that important to us, that we, there was this um, uh, social function uh, to be a good arguer, uh, you know, a, as society evolved. And, um, <clears throat> and so we value our opinions um, more than we should, usually. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's this, this, uh, this cocktail of chemicals that uh, releases in our brain when, when we hear a fact that confirms our bias. Mm. Um, but, and, and one of the only uh, things that contradicts that or is, is a stronger brain chemical cocktail is when we hear story. Um, so story is so important in um, not only understanding the world um, and understanding each other, but also uh, changing our minds about things and changing the world through, through that. And for me, I think um, the importance of story is that it connects us in such a profound way. Yeah. I remember about eight years ago, I was at a gathering of photographers, and there was this humanitarian photographer who had done such beautiful work, and someone asked her, they said, like, why photography? Why don't you go build something? Why don't you go fundraise? Why don't you do something more mm -hmm. like tangibly beneficial? And they weren't trying to be mean, but... <laughs> Sounds you know. a little mean. But, <laughs> <laughs> but to, the, to the question, she said, because stories change stories. And she said, the ability to tell someone's story that this person across mm. the world would never be able to have access to or understand if I was fundraising or building, not that those aren't important things, but this person's story will change this other person's story if they can connect to it and yeah. see them in a different way. It will change their trajectory. I thought that was so beautiful because we are so intertwined through each other's stories, so much more so than, than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I love so much of that. One, one of the values of this community is that people walking through the door or somehow into this community that are not a number. You know, it's not like, oh man, we've grown to 200, um, but we really actually think of each individual as a story walking through this door, mm -hmm. and our, like, want to be people who cultivate the stories of this room, and share our story and develop one together, so I love that idea of, like, um, people are a story, and they're coming through with it, and then, I don't know, I, I think Frederick Buechner I read once about describing his daughter 
and he said, um, and I think about this with my daughter all the time, that I could tell you how tall she is, I could tell you the color of her hair, the color of her eyes, I could tell you um, all these different facts about her, which are true and important at times. Um, but you wouldn't know her until I started telling stories about who she is. Um, I talked about the time she cried first, or the time she laughed, or the time mm -hmm. she got scared. And it just makes me, like, no wonder scripture is not just this book of facts about God, um, but <laughs> it's like this deep story we're invited into to fully know, I feel like, who God is and who we are so much more. T tell me a little bit about, um, let's think about, so we talked a little about kind of small story. I think we're part of a grand, what we're trying to claim here, and this what scripture is claiming for us is maybe we're part of a grand story, um, this bigger thing. For, for you, um, what does that mean? How has that brought meaning into your life? Where have you struggled with that, being part of a, like a larger story? Yeah. You want me to go? <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, uh, well, a couple things there. I think um, the times that I've felt most disconnected from meaning and purpose, um, looking back on them, have been the times when I forgot. Mm. You know, I forgot, um, I forgot my own story. I forgot my place in that story. I forgot my place in the grand story that's unfolding. Um, so, uh, you know, when we talk about storytelling and, and meaning and the connection between the two, I think there's so interleaked, at least, you know, personally in my life. Um, I think, uh, you know, so uh, in 2008, we had just moved across the country um, from Los Angeles to Connecticut. Um, wow, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we landed in, uh, in Connecticut in March in our flip-flops and our shorts because we just didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't know, and, and there were 10-foot snowbanks, and um, we quickly realized that uh, we were out of place. I had been working in the movie industry in Los Angeles, and uh, uh, we, there was no movie industry in the cow pastures of Connecticut. And so uh, we were kind of figuring out, like, what is our, our story, um, and, and where do we fit in this, uh, in this new place, and this new um, culture, and... Um, we, uh, uh, because photography had been such a, an important thing to my grandfather, it was a, a hobby that we kind of shared growing up and we decided that, well, let's, let's start a photography company. Um, and so we, we did, um, we started a photography company and by that, I mean, we said we're photographers and you can hire us. <laughs> we, didn't, we had no idea what we were doing. Um, we put up a really bad website. And uh, we started getting busy with all sorts of photography work. And um, uh, we thought, like, okay, this is, the, this is the fix. This is how we figure out who we are, is we figure out what kind of work we want to do. Mm -hmm. And so we did that for six months. And uh, we felt really burnt out and disconnected from purpose. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't, it didn't click. Um, and so we realized that, like, we had done all this work on what we wanted to be when we grew up. We want to be photographers, you know. But we hadn't put any thought into who we were um, and what story we wanted to tell with our lives and how we wanted to connect that to the, the greater story that's okay. being told and un unfolding. Um, and so we, we took a step back and we started talking through uh, the, the things that we, the, the story that we wanted to be a part of. 
um, and the values that we wanted, you know, our story to reflect. And, um, and we, you know, uh, because we, we grew up with um, Christianity as our, as our lens and our worldview, um, we recognized that, like, people, people are so important and valuable um, just inherently. And that, like, if we, we, we recognize that if we did nothing with our lives but invest in people, that that would be a life well spent. Yeah. And so we said, okay, people is a part of that um, relationship. One of the things my dad said when uh, we got married, he, he did our, um, our wedding, he officiated our wedding. Uh, and he said, um, we are designed to be in relationship because God is relationship. Mm. You know, when you think of the Trinity and um, the, that God is, is not singular and separate, he is relationship. Um, and so we said, okay, we love people, we value people, we, we want relationship to be a part of what we do and a part of what we, um, what we live. Um, and then around the same time, our, our first little one, Evie, who uh, read Genesis earlier, she, she was born, and um, we, we recognized that, um, that moments and story are so important. This is, this is really where, I think, for me, um, I started to realize why my grandfather carried a camera around all the time, because there, was, there were all these moments and story happening all the time, and he just wanted to reach in and grab it and say, I want to keep this. I want to tell this again. Um, and so those three things came to define everything that we did from that point on. We put that back out into the world yeah. and immediately felt connected to meaning and purpose. We, um, we saw the value of the work that we were yeah. doing. It influenced even the type of, you know, photography that, that we ended up. We're, we're wedding photographers is really the, the main thing. So people, moments, relationships, that makes sense. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just being able to, um, to connect to those values and that brought... Um, meaning into our lives and, and recognizing that like that's the part of the story that we get to yeah. play. Um, Love that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, you know, one of, one of the things I love about what you're saying is um, that story, we, I think we think of story as just writers, like they write books and um, not being a writer. I kind of thought, oh, someone else would tell a story, but some of what I hear you saying is a little bit like there's different forms of art from photography to work to that help tell story. Um, and also our lives, like the way we live our lives. Um, so we're, in some ways, we're all storytellers. And yeah. tell me a little bit of, yeah, just any thoughts on being a storyteller yeah. with your life? Well, I think, I think it's like, there's no avoiding it, right? Like yeah. storytelling is one of the most ancient forms yes. of art. Yeah, yeah. And it's the way that, that traditions and lives and legacy gets passed down to us. And I was thinking a little bit about like why story, why, why are facts not persuasive or appealing to us? And I was thinking about like being a little girl, laying in bed, trying to wrap my head around the idea of forever. Have you ever done mm. that? Like where you sit and you're like, hey, I'm gonna figure out what this feels like and <laughs> what this looks like and like that there's a, there's a fact and it's that there is a forever. Yeah, interesting. And trying to figure out like it's almost frustrating and and it like makes me sad it made me sad as a little kid because I couldn't wrap my head around it and I didn't understand it and I was thinking about how story takes these facts right that are 
pretty nebulous and, and frustrating. Yeah. And it turns them into a metaphor that you can almost feel at home in, that you yeah. can find yourself in. It makes it more um, approachable. It makes it, it's like a, a warm blanket almost. Yeah. yeah. I was just, that made me think of like, think of your favorite professor, you know, mm-hmm. or your favorite teacher growing up. Um, for me, it was always the one that told stories that pointed to the truth, totally. you know. I think like Neil deGrasse Tyson and the way he explains astrophysics. Yeah. He's just, it's all story, you yeah. know, and I'm like, oh, I can understand this. Yeah. Um, but even, uh, you know, no matter what your job is, uh, a big part of all of our lives is telling story. If you're a marketer, you're telling stories. If you're, um, you know, if you work in customer ser- service, you're telling stories and helping people understand, mm-hmm. you know, um, through story. It's, uh, even if, even if your job is, um, is a, a solitary job where you're manufacturing something, the thing that we do as, as humans, when we get together with other humans is we tell stories. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think That's it's great. What, um, what makes a good one then? Like, cause we've all, like there's bad stories, right? Like, um, <laughs> um what, what, what are some of the elements for you that make a good story? I go. Um, I mean, I think uh, when I think of a good story, I think of Harry Potter. Yes. <laughs> we're big. We're we're all big Harry Potter nerds in our family. Yes. Thank um, you for your confession. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think about um, like the characters in that story. Huh. Uh, they're not perfect. You know, they're flawed. They each have their um their stuff that they're they're struggling with um even even like Dumbledore who's like ah Dumbledore you know in the stories you you come to find out that he's got baggage and he's got stuff um he's he's not a perfect character and that's what makes it him so interesting um and that story so interesting I think um struggle and um suffering is a huge part of of story um uh, of a good story, you know, uh, and the perseverance, watching, watching a character walk through struggle and get to the other side um, with this idea that there's, there is something on the other side. There's hope and there's redemption. Um, to me, those are, those are pretty critical for a, a good story. Absolutely. And I would just add relationship and connection mm. to other people. I think about um, stories where it's just like one person and it's really hard to make that a compelling story. Even in Castaway with Tom Hanks, you know, there, there had to be a Wilson. And we're like all sitting there watching on a big screen, yeah, like yeah. crying as he throws this volleyball away that, you know, became or loses this volleyball that like became his best friend because yeah. they have a connection and there's a relationship and that makes for a compelling story. And it just makes me think of, of what a reflection that is of the way God wants us to belong to each other, you know, and that that is our story of helping each other and suffering with each other and reminding each other that there is something on the other side of this pain and the suffering. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm thinking of myself and maybe others in the room right now that um, we start talking about story and upping it. And it's like, yeah, my life's not exactly how I hoped it would be. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not doing the job. I'm not in the relation, you know, and, um, I don't know. I think for me, it's been helpful to name that and also to kind of connect that to what I hear you're saying. Like, just because it's not the way we thought it would look, um, that's never a good story. 
of like, oh, it's just went along the exact path that it was supposed to go. <laughs> That's the most boring story in the whole world. That's so true. Um, I hate that person. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, you're not real. But, but the flawed, I mean, I'm always drawn uh, scripture from, from Christ to the prophets. I mean, they're, they're stories of brutality. Of, um, yet they, they bring us in. They allow our lives to connect to it. Um, but they also hold this total and of, of suffering and redemption. And, um, yeah, I hear so much of what you're saying in that. So it ends, our passage today ended with this tree of life. Um, uh, I was reading um, one psychologist who was talking about narrative um, therapy and the idea of, like, helping people re-story and see their story and their life in a story and, and describe that. There's kind of two stories we tell with our life. One that is a story of redemption and one that is stories of, um, um, like, condemning or contaminated um, mm-hmm. like or and the ones the people who can begin to even just get a glimpse of a story of redemption the the idea of the daily living and meaning has so much so without just tying a ribbon on it perfectly but we get this idea of this tree with leaves and healing and redemption and restoring of all things like for me that's hope so for you right now as you're living this story what are some of the things that maybe you hope for? What is it like to hold on to hope in this moment? Yeah. I mean, um, the honest answer to that question is that, like, there are some days that I wake up, and um, for whatever reason, you know, I, I look at the news. That's the first thing that I do. Yeah. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't do, do that. that. Yeah. Um, and those <laughs> days, yeah. No, those days I feel really hopeless, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, but on good days, um, the idea that, that God, who is love, is present and in the world and all around us and in everything and you um, and the people that we interact with, um, that is a really hopeful story. And the idea that, um, that that love is bringing us together. I mean, you can see... In this community, this is um, this is a huge example to me in my life of how um, of the power of love of the God of love to bring things back together to reconcile us all to Himself, and um, uh, that's that's the hope that I hold, and the um, and how I see um, the story of redemption playing out. That's great. Yeah. What about you? Well, you kind of stole my answer. Uh, I, I was saying, I was thinking this church and our community group and the people that we have met here give me so much hope. Um, I, I think about generations before us who didn't necessarily have, um, they didn't feel like they had the choice to change their story and how we as a community because we love each other so well and we see the divine in each other so well that we get to choose to change our story. We get to choose to change the script and to, um, to do things better so that then, then my hope becomes that our kiddos and the next generation get to do even better than, than we do, that they get to, to write and tell an even better story, one of more inclusiveness and more love and more of what 
I believe God intended the world to look like more reconciliation and redemption and less divisiveness. And I think um, on the days where I have hope, that's what it's based on is that we're just, we're walking that path a little bit better. We're living that story a little bit better. That's amazing. Thank you both. Can we put our hands together for our <laughs> friends? Um, Well, we're going to continue in our liturgy story today as it leads us to this table. Um, as we come to this table, as we come to a time of communion, um, we want to begin um, just with a moment of rest and silence. And I want you to reflect um, for yourself. What's happening in your story right now? What? Imagine with God, how your story may be taking part in a grand story. What's happening in yours? And I want to op open yourself to imagine just, just maybe how God is moving and taking life in your story to bring redemption to all things and all people. So we're going to take a moment for offering and a moment to just pause and see where we are a moment to um, reconnect with our own story and with the story of God that we are walking in to together. So let's take a moment of offering.